we're looking at revenue, we're looking at collaboration, at royalties, at ticketing, at transparency uh, with contracts. One of the most exciting bits is ownership of digital goods. This can be music, it can be visual, anything from an album cover to virtual merchandise. Kings of Leon, one thing they did was like sell a front stage seat past the VIP for life, which is really cool because right. that offers like a long-term engagement and value and it can be resold. So the other thing is maybe if you sell an NFT to like a, a digital shirt, maybe like every time you show that digital shirt, you can get like a discount at this fans show in the real world. So you have this not right. only like digital economy and relationship, but also like this one that crosses over with a real world that attracts them to come back to your show to have more benefits over time. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book third edition coming it looks like Get this, January 2023. Uh, the, the editing process is quite extensive, um, but uh, look out for that when it comes. Pre-orders are starting actually fairly soon. My guest today, well, get ready to uh, have your mind blown because if uh, you don't know anything about the metaverse and this is the episode for you, or even if you do know a lot about the metaverse, this is also the episode for you. Um, but don't be intimidated or alarmed because we start from the place of, I don't know anything, and this is where the conversation begins. And it's really exciting, the use cases uh, that Anne today um, explained and revealed and just got my mind spinning with. So uh, Anne McKinnon, she is a co-founder of Wristband. Now, Wristband is spelled R-I-S-T-B-A-N-D, Wristband, without the W. Um, you can find them on all the socials and and the website as well. Um, and they are um, a music-focused metaverse that is, was being uh, developed right now. They just launched, co-founded by Anne and Roman Rappick, who is an independent touring musician. At the core of their foundation and their mission, it's all about musicians and artists. And I first saw Anne at South By talk on a panel about the metaverse, and I thought it was really interesting what they were working on. So, She's here today to help you understand what the metaverse is for musicians and use cases in the music industry, which are very exciting. This is the next frontier. We are very early to the metaverse. Yes, we've heard, I'm sure you've probably read about the concerts that were put on by Marshmallow, Lil Nas X, or Ariana Grande in quote unquote, the metaverse, uh, not quite a, a real live concert, but we're getting there. It's a very exciting future that's coming. This will just get you thinking and hopefully get you pretty excited about what's to come. We'll give musicians many more ways to monetize their audience, their music, make more money really at the end of the day from your craft and from your music. And so I think it puts a lot of the control back in the hands of the artist, which I'm always all for the control 
the freedom, and uh, the money. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me at Ari Herstan on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find Wristband, find them on Instagram and on their Discord server. We're going to link that in the show notes, links to that. Please like, follow, subscribe, however you listen to the show right now. Just uh, hit that follow or subscribe button and leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those really help if you're listening on YouTube. Love to read your comments. So after you listen to the episode, um, if you've got any questions or just want to leave a comment, please up-thumb the video. Uh, love reading those comments. And visit AriStake.com. Get on that email list. I'll let you know about all future episodes, things that are happening in the new music business, when the book's coming out, and all of that good stuff. All right, let's kick into the show. Dan McKinnon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ari, for having me today. Of course. And where are you coming to me from today? Oh, uh, actually, I'm in Canada. Usually, uh, usually I'm in Paris, but my my big brother got married over the weekend, so uh, currently. Ah, congratulations! Thank you. I'll let him know. You're usually in Paris. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I discovered you from South by this past year. I saw your panel um, on the metaverse, and I've been trying to catch myself up on all things, um, I guess, across the board, crypto, NFTs, and now metaverse. Um, and, you know, you'll, I guess, Anne, you have the distinct honor and pleasure of being the first first guest on the new music business podcast uh, to discuss the metaverse. We've had quite a few about NFTs. We've had quite a few about, you know, a lot of other topics, but none discussing the metaverse. So I don't know if um, you're excited or not to uh, dig into that, but um, I, I'm. we will, of course, get to wristband. Um because uh, wristband's mission was very inspiring to me. Um, so why don't we actually start there? If you just want to like give us the 30,000 foot view of what wristband is and all about, and then we're gonna go deep into the metaverse because I, as the first guest to discuss the metaverse, m- my audience does not is not super familiar with it by and large. I'm not super familiar with it. I've never, I'm not a gamer. Um, I, I have only seen kind of, uh, experienced it via aftermath YouTube videos. So, um, I'm excited to just get my mind blown by you today. And I think everyone else is as well. So start, um, so, so let's, let's talk wristband. What is, what is wristband? Yeah, well, actually I'm really excited to talk about the metaverse because if I'm the first one, I can define what it is. Yes, uh, you can define what it is. That's all on you today. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, wristband, I, I guess I want to go back a little bit because I think the, the story of where we came from is actually really important to, sure. to why we created wristband. Great. So my co-founder is an indie artist and my background is working in tech and I was in Los Angeles before the, the pandemic changed everything, mm-hmm. uh, working with clients out there. But in 2017, I went to Paris and I covered this all night tech and art festival called Nuit Blanche. And at that festival, one of the most amazing things I discovered was Mirror Shot, so uh, indie electronic band performing a live virtual reality concert. Mm-hmm. And what this looks like is a live show. You go into a venue. The band is physically present there. As a little audience, you sit down, maybe in a group of 30 at that time, and you get a headset. There's beautiful projection mapping on the walls. There's like fans that like are circulating different scents. And when you're in the headset what those headsets have is a pass-through camera. 
So Unlock Past Your Camera enables you to be able to look around physically in the venue and you can see your friends. So it's Whoa. not like you're being totally cut off. So it's one of the first shows I ever saw someone with a VR headset on reach out to their friend or like try and point to something that they might not see in their headset. <laughs> so huh. that was amazing. And then during the show, when the artist comes on and starts to play, yeah. that artist can control the journey of the audience through these virtual worlds. So just like we had, I suppose you have a song and a performance and you have a music video. This is almost a new medium to experiment with that's mixing realities. Okay. And the idea is bringing game engines or the idea of worlds and narrative into a live performance. Uh. And that was something I thought was really special, especially coming from tech. I often mm. see like headsets on little tables and booths at conference centers. Sure. So this was special. And um, that's when the his label was introduced to them, I believe at the time in management, and they mm -hmm. invited me on board to support with tech partnerships believe also, the um their distribution company they're the parent company of TuneCore um and they're yeah. they're not technically a record label but they are um just a, a distribution company they don't keep ownership of the masters and just take a commission and and offer label services okay continue cool yeah and all points would be the label that we're on under belief so distribution got it so label. so all points used belief for distribution okay cool yes yeah got it and yeah, so that was kind of my journey into music, which was, I had no idea how complicated it was. <laughs> I guess it's the same mm -hmm. if you're coming from music and looking at tech, which we're, it is a lot of what we're working on, which is bringing the two together and mm -hmm. me having that experience of diving deep into the music industry for the first time, I really understood like the challenge of approaching something completely new. Mm -hmm. And we were invited in, what was it, 2020? Uh, to go to South by Southwest in March. And my co-founder had just released his album uh, which, and had this tour that was going to happen across five different countries after South mm -hmm. by. And then the world was canceled or the right. live the live industry, as we know, it was uh, COVID canceled. So uh, we hadn't started the company at that point, but we did have a lot of people reaching out to us and say, hey, like my tour is being canceled or mm -hmm. uh, the venue's closed down or like I'm a manager or I'm staged and I'm, I'm out of work. Mm -hmm. um, can you help? So we never, ever thought we would launch a startup that we thought mm. like the metaverse, hey, that's really complicated, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, um, we were experimenting a lot and trying out different platforms and learning a lot of like what was missing and what was needed, what worked, what was hilarious, what was devastating and mm -hmm. really, uh, or what was meaningful by bringing like smaller communities together when we're doing our prototype events. Mm -hmm. And that eventually led to wristband, which is we're looking at the opportunity that the Web3 and Metaverse presents. And that's bringing in new audiences, new demographics, connecting up the live industry with this whole new opportunity of not just selling tickets in the real world, but also opening that up to uh, people all around the world. Mm -hmm. So I think the whole point is like not to replace what's so special about music and live experiences, but to offer mm -hmm. something new and to reach more fans. And I think this is what we're, we're learning about a lot today in this new medium and have a lot of awesome partners. Mm -hmm. And that's wristband, I guess, in a nutshell, and I can describe it, but what it looks like. In a, Great. That um, really cool journey. Now, I'm curious, back in 2020, when you were asked to speak at South by, was that uh, to discuss the augmented VR live concert experience that you discovered that you experienced in 2017 was was Roman was was Mearshot, um going on a tour with those 
um uh what is it the goggles or what do you call them yeah um yeah uh (laughs) where it was that like kind of what that tour was to look like where they would hand out these these um what do you call them augmented virtual reality it's not just virtual reality it's not just a augmented reality it's like it's kind of both right you can call them headsets uh, vr goggles they both kind of pass in the xr industry um yeah that that, initial uh concept and then you kind of pivoted once uh once COVID hit and then you're like okay we can't do these live experiences how can we just do this uh this like vr experience yeah, we, we've always wanted to do both and not just one or the other. So okay. Roman Rapak, who's my co-founder and the, the front man of, of uh, Mareshot, just to let people who are listening know, uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of like our guinea pig for all the experience we have with wristband. So yeah. his band is still touring. Uh, in 2020, we were actually invited. So he was invited, uh, his yeah. band, to perform at South by across the music festival, uh, the mm-hmm. video, a film, and the interactive festival. Uh, but of course, that, that, was, that was canceled. So... I wasn't actually speaking um, at that time, but I was I was sure. going to attend and help out. And uh, Blake Kamardiner and James Miner, who curate the XR and music side of the festival, since 2020 was canceled, we participated in their in their online events uh, over cool. those two years, and they've been they've been super supportive. And a lot of folks like them who kind of understand this emerging industry and the mm-hmm. importance of giving indie artists an opportunity have have really made a huge difference to to my team. Awesome. So let's, um, that's a great story and journey. And I love that the company is co-founded by a working musician, um, as a working musician myself, I'm always, uh, with, you know, on the business side too, I always appreciate when any company at their core, uh, has a musician to bring that musician's empathy to what you're doing. And I, you know, far too often in the music business, there are companies founded by tech people that don't have any musicians involved and they look right past the artists and right past the musicians and don't really understand the true pain points that musicians deal with and the fact that your co-founder Roman Rapek um, is a working musician understands the real pain points understands what it's like to tour to sell tickets to sell merch to try to get people to follow them on socials and stream their music and all of that now Okay, um, let's pause on wristband for a second because um, this is a good opportunity to explain the metaverse uh, just from people like myself who really have no idea what it is. So uh, I'll give you the floor. <laughs> yeah, so I think probably most people who are listening are familiar with the idea of like games and stories and virtual worlds. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the metaverse is an extension of that. So the idea of the metaverse is it's that digital reality that you can be fully immersed in. So then that's when you put the VR headset on, you're essentially in a synthetic reality or fully digital reality. But there's also different levels of the metaverse. So that's fully immersed. Then augmented reality is overlaying digital layers on the real world. So when we think of Snapchat, that's actually augmented reality because you have mm. filtered digital content mm. over the real world. Once we have glasses, it's going to be much more practical. Sure. Uh, you can like have a, that help you with directions and all that. And then... So I could be looking also, at, instead of having to put my pull my phone out uh, with Google Maps to try to figure out where the coffee shop that I'm going to, I'll put on glasses and the directions will essentially be on the street in front of me. I'll look at an intersection and on the intersection... 
I will think that the cross streets will be written on the actual physical street uh, 50 yards in front of me. But if I took the glasses off, they won't actually be written on the street. It's just that's the augmented reality part you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Okay. And I could like look at the coffee shop and potentially see like the four star Yelp review that one might pop up right on my screen uh, without having to pull my phone out and could, you know, look that that's augmented reality where I've seen the real world with um, augmentation. Mm hmm. Yeah, okay. or if Ari's got a show on today, they might be walking by a venue they, they'd never heard of before and be like, hey, uh, Ari's got a show tonight. So that, that's Love another that. great application. Cool. Okay, so that's augmented reality, AR. Um, but we're talking more, so metaverse is more in the VR realm. Is that right? Virtual reality? I think that the full extent of the metaverse is is virtual reality. But I also okay. think that we can experience the metaverse in different ways. Okay. So the metaverse is essentially 3D, but I can play a, a 3D game on my computer with my avatars running around a world. And then you uh, put a headset on and you're like in that world. And I can like go on the same one on my phone. And that's another portal, little portal into the metaverse. So I think mm. we can experience it in many ways. Uh, but definitely the, the full immersion and the being able to transition between realities is I think the way it's going to evolve. So this idea of a persistent digital layer that we can tra transition between uh, on our day-to-day -day lives. Interesting. So is it simply just, I mean, it, it sounds like it can be multiple things. It sounds like it can just be a game that I play on my phone and that can be considered the metaverse. But it could also be if I put on a VR headset and I'm looking around and I'm actually like, I've, I've done the Oculus thing once uh, a couple mm -hmm. years ago. I... Uh, played a game and that was a wild experience uh, where I'm like jumping up and down and ducking and all of that stuff and trying you know and uh, I could not see my surroundings or the people around me so I had to be very careful about that but um, but you're saying it can be either or or all together is that is that right like both are, are considered the metaverse whether I'm in like playing Fortnite on my computer that could be theoretically considered the metaverse or I'm playing a game on my phone where I have a digital avatar that's running through a little game like world that's the metaverse or if I put on a whole headset and I'm looking around and experiencing this whole thing that's also the metaverse is that correct. Yeah, I think they're all parts of the metaverse. A, a great okay. web web two example is if we think of the internet and like the internet yes. can be you can think of that as like metaverse equivalent. Okay. And then we have each web page uh. is almost like a little a little part of the metaverse, uh. like part of the internet. So we have different different way different parts that make up the entire metaverse. Got it. And um, I think some people might argue with me that Fortnite is a part of the metaverse, but I really think we're building the infrastructure today. And that there's there's no doubt that Fortnite's going to become something that is fully immersive and 3D and AR over the years. Mm. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. So, okay, that's a good foundation and understanding that. I mean, I think of it as like, okay, uh, how is this any different from just playing a a video game? Is it any different from playing a video game as to where we're at right now in 2022? In terms of the metaverse, and yeah, is, it the same is the as metaverse video just, just a video game? Yeah, <laughs> this, this is where it gets great because uh, I know you speak a lot about music business. Yes. And I think when we're looking at entertainment, I think this is one of the biggest markets of the metaverse right now. Okay. 
especially during the pandemic, we saw a huge boom in people playing online and communicating mm. online. And mm-hmm. when we look at social media, and I know artists have to spend a lot of time on social media, it might not necessarily be something that they love to do. Um, but that's kind of kind of you don't you're not embodied and you can't like express yourself in like two or three line tweets the way you would when you meet someone face to face. So when we see people in a wristband or a part of the metaverse talking to one another, this is almost like a new type of social experience. And looking at the from Web2, which is like Twitter and Facebook, um, even, I guess, Spotify, and then looking at Web3, which is being back in an embodied form, being able to have these really um, intuitive conversations that feel a lot more organic to the way we're supposed to interact with one another. Um, can we just break down what is Web1, what is Web2, what is Web3? Yeah, so Web1 was like HTML, so like typing uh, code into a computer and like okay. having that input-output. Web2 is when we started to have like Twitter and Facebook, so your social media websites, um, almost when Shopify came along. And then when we're talking about Web3, we're talking about blockchain. So that's really about things being tracked and ownership being tracked on the, on, uh, on the blockchain. That's the difference of where we're going. And Got Metaverse it. doesn't necessarily mean a part it's web three but you can have a web three metaverse okay so just if i'm getting this uh correct web one uh was the start of the internet when we had websites where it wasn't really interact you weren't necessarily interacting with other people on the internet as much it was really just i'm visiting a website it was um you know uh it was a only only as active as you made it because you would have to choose the website to visit and you'd be reading articles or even watching videos that's still web one theoretically or I yeah guess. i think you, i think you put it better than i did there okay and then web two no... got it so then web two you're saying is like when social media came to be because now we are interacting with each other on the internet, it's alive. And we know that social media is very alive. Uh, The algorithms um, have a life of its own, essentially, at this point. And I always say that the most powerful gatekeeper in the music industry right now is not a person, it's the TikTok algorithm. And uh, and so that is web two, where it's straight up social media, which is now controlling everything. And so now web three, we're getting into uh, blockchain. That's a technology. And so blockchain is a technology. And there are um, cryptocurrencies famously that are built using blockchain technology, uh, Ethereum, uh, blockchain technology, you know, the Ether is, is built, the ETH, currency is built on the Ethereum uh, blockchain, as are many NFTs. But some NFTs exist on other blockchain technology, uh, like Quincy Jones Company has one of, and that is a um, environmentally friendly um, uh, NFT company that's built on an environmentally friendly blockchain using proof of uh Dake versus proof of work. So it's it's environmentally friendly um, in that we won't get into the 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 technicalities of what proof of stake versus proof of work that's for a totally different conversation but regardless uh that's web three and so metaverse uh i guess you're saying um if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly when we're talking about just like gaming and stuff like that um fortnite roblox minecraft all of that that existed um in a web two more or less just like on the internet and also just in a gaming environment off blockchain that's not quite web three but you're saying metaverse could be in the web three realm because 
uh, if it uses the blockchain technology and there are like NFTs involved or there are public transactions on the blockchain. And because a lot of oftentimes um, various uh, metaverse universes or universes that could be considered within the metaverse are using blockchain technology and cryptocurrency for transactions. That's more or less why we're in the Web3 realm. Did I get all that correct? Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. And it, it's it's super interesting about this question about, like, I guess anyone who's using technology as, as like as a part of performance, or as a part of yeah. experience, you're always asking what value does that add? And it's super interesting with the, I guess, the example of Roblox, because a lot of the users are under 13. Mm -hmm. So it might not actually make sense for them to become a Web3 platform, because then you're talking about banking and IZ and like accounts, mm. which if you're under 13, and you're living at home, and you're not I guess uh, of a certain age, that might not, that might be a challenge. And then on the other hand, you have Fortnite and Fortnite's challenge with Web3 at the moment, because the technology is getting better every day, is they have so many transactions happening every single moment that if they put that on the blockchain, it would cause this huge slowdown mm. <laughs> of the network speeds. So gotcha. the technology is maturing. It has amazing use cases, especially in music and the creator economy. And again, like briefly touching on wristband, I think this is we're looking at really unlocking the experience economy where mm -hmm. artists can be re rewarded for their work and creating tapping into that creative pool and energy that exists but hasn't been rewarded to date. Okay, let's dig into that because that's the most exciting part of everything. Of course, you know, we're all uh, most of us, well, pretty much everyone listening right now is in the music industry. Uh, most of us are artists ourselves. Um, so Talk to me about that. I want to know how is this going to benefit artists uh, across the board? There are a lot of ways that it can benefit artists. And I, one of the, like, there's, I guess, a couple of different ways we're looking at revenue, we're looking at collaboration, at royalties, mm -hmm. at ticketing, at transparency uh, with contracts. So there, there's many, many different ways. I guess mm -hmm. there's, there's some examples that exist right now is um, when an artist releases. Uh, a ticket uh, and written wristband, they can almost set up that like code beforehand. So they could say, okay, this is the ticket. I'm going to have 50% goes to one party, 50% goes to the other party. Maybe that's band members. And that's mm. all agreed beforehand. And then afterwards unlocks that, I guess, money that's being put in hold and it gets released to the appropriate parties. So that's one way it can have a lot cool. of transparency. But cool. I think one of the most exciting bits is ownership of digital goods. Okay. Um, our assets, and this can be music, it can be uh, visual, uh, so anything from uh, an album cover to virtual merchandise to, let's say, an artist has a special car uh, that people can drive around and wristband with. The ownership of that asset and the ability to say, hey, this is mine, and to receive 100% of that value. Mm. And then when they sell it, they can also have royalties. So let's say they sell that car for $100, but they get uh, you know 20%, so they keep $20 every time that car is, uh, next time that car is sold, if it's sold for $1,000, then they get to keep 200 during the future transaction. So this is, that's an, that's essentially an NFT, right? Exactly. So, okay, so that's really interesting. So people can actually, okay, this is a real use case. This is, uh, I just got chills. I'm like, all right, this is a real use case of NFTs in the, in uh, not the real world, but in the metaverse world where, um, 
I I understand what you're just saying is like I could drive a car around in the metaverse that is essentially an NFT that I own and everyone can see that I own it because it's on the blockchain and there's a public uh, record of my ownership of this. They can see that uh, this car uh, came from um, it is an is an artist's car. So so let's say um, it's the artist tour bus. Let's just go that route, you know, and it's like, um, sure. So let's say uh, the, the the tour bus that the artist um, that let's say, uh, let's say Harry Styles tour bus is driving around in this in this tour bus. And then they, he decides he wants to sell it as an NFT. Somebody buys it. So now let's say I buy it. So now I'm driving the Harry Styles tour bus around the metaverse. Um, and so Harry got paid for that. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'll sell it to somebody. And let's say I bought it for, uh, you know, let's say I bought it for one ETH. So, you know, a couple or wherever that's at right now, a couple like thousand dollars or something like that. And then uh, I sell it. Let's say I'll sell it for 1.2 ETH. So I'll make a little profit on that. But what you're saying is that Harry actually will get paid every time I sell it because he can designate, oh, I'm going to make 20% off of every transaction. Every time the car is sold, Harry's going to get that that 20% is that or whatever it is. Is that kind of correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. And I, okay. I think this, so you're talking about, but we're looking at the wristband too, saying people like to play for different reasons. So whether that's to go in and to, you know, attend a music experience maybe someone will go in just to drive the harry styles bus and mm. if they're going to make it like their full-time job driving his bus and maybe charging like a ticket price to get a tour on his bus as they drive what? around wristbands oh my gosh yeah maybe that's a build a utility so then harry sure. styles is also taking a little percentage of those tickets he's selling to get tickets. a ride on the harry styles bus Whoa. so there's these really cool economies that can take place um around an artist's work and like creating an artist's world that mm-hmm. I think we we haven't seen everything that's possible. And I think one of the biggest challenges, um, I guess, teams are facing today is how to engage that audience once you've sold an NFT. It's if we're talking about the long-term value of it mm. or what does it actually bring to um, that audience or consumer. Um, I think it was Kings of Leon. One thing they did was like sell a, a front stage seat um, past the VIP for life, which is really cool because right. that offers like a long-term engagement and value and it can be resold. Um, so the other thing is maybe if you sell an NFT to like a, a digital shirt, maybe like every time you show that digital shirt, you can get like a discount at this fans uh, show in the real world. So you have this not only right. like digital economy and relationship, but also like this one that crosses over with a real world that attracts them to come back to your show and to have more benefits uh, over time. That's great. I mean, right. And, and with the NFTs, like you said, Kings of Leon um, released a limited number of NFTs and some of them were directly, it was for their new, it was for their album in 2020. And um, some of them were tied to physical experiences. So you could redeem this virtual, this digital NFT uh, token this di- well that's redundant that you could redeem this 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 digital nft um for the front row tickets and whoever was in possession of the digital nft could redeem it at a future concert and so that's a way but and you remove scalpers from that because you can't scalp the nft it's a digital asset um and there's only a limited number of them you can't make them yourself and you can only uh redeem them based on, 
it's very clearly tracked on the blockchain so everybody can see that so it's a way that i mean i totally get how you can sell um virtual tickets in the future on the blockchain because that can't those can't be scalped either and if they're resold which is great finally the artist can get some of that resale value which we're not really seeing when they're resold on StubHub these days um so let's talk more i mean Give me some more examples within the metaverse of how artists like we haven't even touched on concerts. I'm curious to know, like you've said tickets a few times, but talk to me about like how how concerts look in the metaverse. Yeah. Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me, at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. I think when we're looking at every medium, we're understanding also that there are different things and require different approaches. Like okay. setting up a, a live show again, or you know, performing a music video. They're completely two different things, and they're going to be consumed in two different ways. So exactly what you said earlier on, which is, a lot of companies approaching music metaverses or experience metaverses are led by tech leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're looking at the music lovers or people who love to go to events and there's this whole ritual of going to an event that you kind of, that's a part of the excitement and hype and enjoyment, like even lining up or like getting slightly dehydrated <laughs> during the <laughs> right. show, uh, that's all kind of fun. So when we look at creating that ritual around wristbands and I think the approach to virtual concerts is it's super boring to take a 2d screen and put it in a 3d world and say hey like walk your avatar over there and just like watch the screen so i think we are all well past and very over uh the live stream concerts um and mm -hmm. kind of the you know going live uh experience that we had to you know suffer through by default because there was nothing else during the pandemic and while we were quarantining and so yeah it was nice when there was nothing else to do and there is a charm to that with like interacting with the chatbot and that that's like you know that is what i discovered when i really like had my aha moment with twitch um it was that it was just like oh twitch 
is not just putting the uh, physical concert on the screen and sitting back and watching that because like, all right, I could watch a concert on YouTube. How is, you know, people are trying to sell tickets to those things. I'm like, how is that any different? But then when I started to watch artists perform on Twitch, they didn't perform like they were performing a concert on stage at a music venue. They were interacting with the audience via the chat box, the audience was interacting with each other and with the artist. They were essentially enhancing everybody's experience by like sending a tip, which then uh, appeared as like a jumping bunny on the screen that the artist saw and everybody saw in front of the artist's face. And so it was like this fully interactive concert experience. I'm like, oh, that's different. Like that's cool and interesting, but it was still, you know, um on it, it's still like 2d i wasn't part in the concert i was in the chat box and i could like you know send an emote by sending them a tip but i you know I, but I, I i could see those those are like steps in this direction so so talk to me more about like what this fully realized version is yeah. inside the metaverse you bring up a great point which is like defining a virtual concert and mm-hmm. when we look at you know watching tv or streaming on twitch or like uh, chatting on YouTube, all of this is is essentially streaming. Right? So we have to think virtual concert or concert is live. And so many of these are pre-recorded right now. Yes. Uh, it has to be more than more conversation interaction than a chat box and throwing the emojis. Right. Um, there has to be real time like engagement between the fans who are watching. So it's not just me typing into box, but me actually being able to see my friend and being like having that interaction while being with the uh, artist. Yeah. So all of these things I think are really important to that concert experience. So with mm. streaming is one thing and then interactive live events are a completely different animal. Right. Mm. Because the, the, what makes, um, what makes live streaming so magical and special is that you are there live right there with the artist. If you type something in the chat box, the artist oftentimes acknowledges it and you're now there um, and y- everybody is having a different experience because of your actions taken and the artist's actions taken in the moment. But well, like what you're referencing um, is the concerts that have been happening previously on uh, these other, like on Fortnite um, or Roblox or, or Minecraft or the others that have been hosting some of these concerts. Um, it, and we're talking like big artists, like Marshmallow and Ariana Grande and Lil Nas X and Travis Scott have all done like big marquee concerts, but they called them concerts. Uh, They made a bunch of money from them, but they weren't actually there performing live. Like you said, they were pre-recorded. They created a, a avatar. It was almost like I was watching a video game happen of a a digitized avatar, a giant Lil Nas X uh, performing, quote unquote, but like kind of performing, but just dancing around with the song playing. uh, And my avatar could be there watching this and kind of like run around with my friends, my other digital avatar friends happening. But what you're saying, what we haven't necessarily experienced yet, or maybe maybe it is on wristband, um, is where the artist is actually, their digital avatars are actually performing live right there and interacting with the crowd right there in real time? Yeah, so I guess there's super quickly to go over the ones Portland. I think they're great examples because people read so much about them in the media. So the Marshmallow one was still like an artist on stage. So it was like, okay, we're doing a concert. That's how it is. And then with the Travis Scott one, they're like, oh yeah, we're in a game engine. 
So they like turn off gravity, they have these underwater scenes. Mm. And then Ariana Grande's was almost like a um, an interactive music video. So you had a little bit of agency, which agency is the ability to control and have be able to make decisions. But it was okay. still on rails, which means like you couldn't change how it went from start to end. Got it. So with wristband, a lot of what we learned comes from live events, but also the game gaming worlds. Mm. And it's all about experience design, which is everything from the way you build the world, the way you onboard your the people or their audience coming in. Do they know what to do? Like you go to a lot of metaverse platforms and you arrive, and you're like, hey, like I've got no idea what I'm supposed to do next. So that whole thing of like having those cues so people mm-hmm. can get to where the artist is. Um, we also realized like with technology, we're at an amazing point now where we're just at the intersection of so many of these great things happening. But we're also like one or two years away before these become easy. So mm. that full volumetric capture, one of the reasons they do it pre-recorded is because it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, capacity on your computer to live stream, which mm. is essentially like break break the experience. Yes. Uh, so it's not possible yet to do that, like upload live stream. So we are thinking, oh, how can we make it accessible to indie artists? So not yeah. have this like $20,000 volumetric capture sequence that's processed over time. Right. And uh, how can we also make it more than a 2D video? So we did AMAs, so Ask Me Anything. Uh, we had an interview DJ, uh, Toby Lynn, who's also a radio host on Amazing Radio uh, out in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, a couple bands come in and they released some music videos that were only being dropped in wristband for the first time. And it was held mm-hmm. with like, we did smaller prototype events. This is before we like launched our alpha even. We had about like 50 people come in and be our little experiment group and uh we had like uh we also had live actors come in so the band lead actually like wrote a story about this world and when the fans are coming in they'd like help first of all they played a couple roles which was onboarding people so helping them go around the host would like mm-hmm. welcome people in the world so that hey like Ari, i love that necklace you're wearing today and then the person would be like oh like i i belong here yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah. That was just about creating the atmosphere and like making sure people were like, you know, getting, I guess, just having fun time. Uh, so no rage quitting, which is, I guess, a, a term that gamers will know when something's frustrating. They just like press escape and go. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So that was really fun. We learned a lot about doing like these different interactive narrative lines, um, content jobs, uh, like video plays that were only available on band and then like the audience would have a chance to speak with artists about the creative process and what they're cool. about after and then also had more intense games which is uh deciding like which song to unlock so they would be like 50 people and we'd suddenly like turn on these little tokens around town mm. and people would have to like there'd be two different types and people would have to like choose which one they wanted to unlock so at the end of three minutes like the one that token had the most tokens collected would unlock that part of the story next Oh, fun. So you'd have to like, make a moral choice. Scavenger hunt. Exactly. And everyone yeah. participated. So it was, it was really, really fun and uh, experimenting with a new, new medium and a new way for people to be engaged with the music, the world, and the artist. So cool. I mean, I fully connect and relate because I do immersive experiences in LA for my 1970s throwback funk soul band. And so we have immer- we have actors, we have a, a through immersive storyline, everybody shows up dressed in 1970s outfit. Uh, and you don't know the person you're talking to, if they're part of the storyline, if they're an actor, or they're just an attendee, and a record label exec could walk up to you and just be like, Hey, you got any blow? And you'd be like, wait, 
what? Are you kidding? He's like, <laughs> what do you think about these two lead singers? It should just be one lead singer, right? It doesn't mess around. And like, now you're like having a conversation one-on-one with someone that's like kind of blowing your mind, but you don't really realize, are they part of the story? Are they part of it? You know, and that's an enhanced concert experience because meanwhile, we have a nine-piece funk band just crushing it on stage. Um, I'm a little biased. I front that and wrote the songs for it. But, you know, we're like, you have a concert experience, you have a concert happening, which we all understand concert, but how do you enhance it and how do you actually immerse the audience a little bit more? That's in the physical realm, uh, you know, and that that's starting to catch on. It's, some people call this immersive theater, immersive experiences. Um, you know, I think a lot of people understand um, immersive experiences when it comes to, uh, you know, Sleep No More is very popular in New York or um uh, Meow Wolf has installations in Vegas, like Omega Mart or in Santa Fe. Um, you know, even like a, um, just essentially, it's any kind of performance or interactive theater. Essentially, like Tony and Tina's wedding has been going on for a while. That's all in the physical realm. But now you're bringing that experience to the digital sphere, and so you have a digital avatar. And what you're saying is similarly. You are now immersed. You're more immersed in this because as you were talking through this, until you said you had actors that would interact and say nice necklace, I was just like, well, how is this? Why is this better from just watching, having a band sit in front of me on Twitch and just asking questions via the chat box or whatever? But now the scavenger hunt, that's so cool. And choose your own adventure. And like and like like you're saying, it's on rail. But off rail is just like, we don't know what's going to happen. It's based on how many tokens are collected based on the people and what their actions are taken. And so it's all kind of interactive and immersive together. But now the benefit is, is like, you don't have to leave your home. Uh, You can do this all from, you know, uh, from home on your computer. Yeah, I think I I don't like I if I had the option between attending online or attending in person, I'd probably still want to attend in person. Hundred percent. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but for people who I guess are like gamers and like might not be your typical festival goer, I mean, a lot of gamers absolutely love music and discover artists through music that's in their games. Um, but I think again, like maybe like the band when we're doing these um, prototype events, we have this guy in the Philippines who's getting up super early. And then there's this guy in Argentina and like they'd never met before, but they went into this world and like, they're like, Hey, like you're wearing the same band t-shirt as I am. And then they started hanging out on social media. And like, then the one guy brought his girlfriend and like, that was super (laughs) cool to see, to see this group that would keep coming back and like learn about the story and like, want to know what's next. Almost like a Mm. season as well. Which Fortnite does too. Um, They do. So this whole, exactly as you say, like sleep no more. New York is is one of the most incredible experiences, and I think it has all the elements of what an immersive experience should be. Mm-hmm. And um, one except of the reasons, a live band, except a live band. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But we we used actors because you know I mean the whole technology behind the metaverse is really complicated, and yes, um, us being a small team, like we're six people. So mm-hmm. Epic's we won a, a mega grant from Epic Games, which has cool. enabled us to have this runway to build wristbands. Mm-hmm. But at first, like, we didn't have enough time uh, to program the NPCs or, like, non-player characters, which are essentially bots that act as people within the platform. So oh. that's why we use actors. <laughs> so it was, like, a last-minute scramble. I didn't even know scramble. that existed. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, we're, yeah, we're learning a lot. But I think the most important bit is, as you kind of hit on, is, like, having the spontaneity and, like, have people being able to interact in a special way that isn't the same as it's like different from the real world, but it's also like the experience is different from the experience you're getting in the real world. So you don't feel like yeah. you're missing out. 
but you yep. can do something like a, a album drop or like, and we had a event a couple of weeks ago where we hid um, a, a, a different version of a band's track and wristband and people had 10 minutes to find it. And mm. if they found it, they posted it on social media, then the band would send them that uh, a code to download it on Bandcamp. Well, so that was really quite cool to, to see the band come up with that idea. That's, that's mind blowing. And, and you're, you're combining all of this now because you're like the scavenger hunt exists um, within wristband uh, within this world. You can find a code that you can then redeem in the real world to get uh, the song on Bandcamp uh, and actually now own that song uh, in real life uh, outside of, of the, the metaverse too, outside of this world. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Cool. Um, so where, and, and oh, to go back to Epic Games, you said that you got a, it, it's a, so Epic Games for people who aren't familiar. I mean, they're the owners of, of Fortnite. They also just acquired Bandcamp actually. Um, and so what is your relationship with, with Epic Games? I, I didn't, I missed that. Yes. Yeah, so they, they were one of the first teams that noticed what we were doing uh-huh. and were huge supporters. And we applied for a mega grant, which is something anyone mega can apply grant. for. Okay. And they kind of championed our application process internally, and we re- received a grant um, cool. to support building wristband. And also, they have a number of really awesome partners who we've worked with. I don't think it'd be wise for us to try and build every single part of the metaverse. So we're working with a lot of great sure. people who are helping us do it. And I think that's kind of a part of the creative process. Amazing. Um, okay, cool. So uh, unlike raising funds from a VC firm, I'm assuming Epic doesn't have ownership of wristband. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay, gotcha. So uh, where is wristband now? Because when I when I try to find stuff online about it uh, and go I, like I, I registered on your form to be notified when I could be let in, but I'm, I couldn't find a way to even get on wristband or anything like that so like all these experiences that you're talking about where these bands run scavenger hunts or they did this and that or you know um how is anyone able to do that if i'm an artist right now listening to it i'm like man i want to i want to do one of these parties inside wristband how how can anybody do that yeah so the prototype events i'm talking about we did about 10 of those last year okay and then we had uh the grant we formed the company only in september last year so this has been like a wild ride oh wow okay <laughs> and then we got the received the epic Mega grant in january um we hired our dev team and then we had six weeks to get our alpha which is like uh, an in-development version of our platform ready for south by southwest launch cool um and our team delivered it was it was pretty nerve-wracking but they really pulled through <laughs> and uh, created an amazing experience. We also included a lot of 81 NFT artists. Uh, so we had two of the biggest NFT mean? marketplace. So NFT artists is just like a digital um, uh, visual artist that um, mints their work on the blockchain. Okay. So instead of just having, I guess, digital art, an NFT would be a digital art that's registered. On oh, the blockchain. right. I'm sorry. I th- you said 81. Is that a... Oh, uh, just the number of artists. Oh, got it. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was A, the letter A, the, the letter D, one. Sorry. Okay, continue. You had no, 81 that's, that's, NFT that's super artists creative. as part of this. Got it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Uh, we had the, the 81 artists um, yeah, featured in our platform. We had OpenSea, open Rarebold, Super Rare retweet our open call for content. So we had thousands cool. of submissions. Um, Amazing. We couldn't have them all included this time just because of the time about like putting the artwork sure. in and placing it carefully. 
So that was great. It we looks had- great. I, I, if anyone mm-hmm. is wondering, like visit wristbands, uh, Instagram. Um, and I saw kind of some of the displays of how you displayed some of those NFT, th- those NFTs within, uh, your world. Um, and kind of you could walk around the world uh, and see these NFT displayed and, and have a soundtrack that was playing. I mean, it was a really nice experience and, and it was um, really uh, stunning, actually. Um, so they did a really great job with designing that. That means a lot. I think so. Yeah. You kind of tapped on like a lot of the problems of the existing metaverse, which is it's clunky, it's ugly, it's like hard to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are definitely things we're trying to work on. Um, so after after Alpha launch at South by, we have community events now, and that's because we're in development. Uh, we're working through um, a lot of tests and experiments, and like working with the different models and partners. We make announcements in our Discord. So our next event is May twenty second. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think our Discord is is listed on our Twitter on our website. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna. W- pause you there i tried to get on the discord from your website uh that link is expired so you have to update oh, your discord link on the, on the website <laughs> maybe twitter is more up to date i was like trying to get yeah. on the discord uh but every time i click the link it said the link is expired and then it wasn't working so uh somehow i'd like to get on your discord to check out okay. and hear more about these events coming up i'll, I'll update that and i will okay. uh, we'll send Thanks. you a fresh link yes yeah, so that's where that's where we're making our announcements we're going to have like wristband festivals in the fall of 2022 Cool. Um, so I guess the people looking out um, over our Discord, there will be open calls. So a bit more about the way wristband is set up. If you think about a city, so whether that's Los Angeles, New York, uh, Austin, where South by Southwest was, mm-hmm. you have like the downtown city center. And that's where you have like some curated uh, experiences, maybe some brand partners coming in or like bigger labels. Um, so that will like kind of attract a crowd because, you know, you don't sell out like any festival that no one knows the artist of. So that's a nice way of bringing in uh, some audience. And then you have Middletown. And this is where you have like your indie and your up and coming and like maybe like artists who are like have kind of done a couple tours. And then on the outside, we have the underground. And this is more like anyone can be a part of this space and like hone their craft, maybe do auditions try and like create like the next amazing thing so we're going to have applications for that where we're going to say these are the things you can do create an application show us like blow our minds and then that space is yours so the whole idea is having this like balanced accessible system throughout the whole the whole design of wristband well uh let's talk about getting an Ari's take stage together for uh this wristband (laughs) festival Uh, i'd love to to be a part of that and we can curate um some some great programming for it that sounds great we'll we'll have to have you host in there love it let's do it cool um well this is great um and do you have uh plans so with the festival i'm assuming if you're in the Discord, uh, you'll get notified on how you can either attend the festival or audition or to perform or submit, uh, rather, to to be um, part of it? Yeah. So okay. the, the reason why we're doing it this way at the moment is because we want people to have a great time every time they go into wristband. While mm-hmm. we're doing the development, we want to have the doors open, kind of like a venue door in the real world where it's like, when nothing's happening, the doors are closed. That's when we're working behind the scenes, like doing Got all it. the bookings. Yep. And then when the doors are open, you go in and you have a great time and the doors close and you want to come back because you had a great time. So great when analogy. you go into like the central land or like other platforms, you walk on in, it's like ghost town. Yeah. So you just leave. So that's yep. kind of their approach. We'll work up to being a first person, always doors open. But I think it's, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it's important. We're really focused on creating great experiences. 
I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Decentraland and, and they, uh, I mean, famously, they're not owned uh, by a company or person or anything like that. It's, it's um, you know, Decentraland, it's, it's, what it's called. It's like it's a decentralized um, metaverse. Um, what is the structure, the ownership structure of wristband? Yeah, so I think we can we can talk a bit about the difference between decent, decentralized uh, platforms and centralized mm-hmm. platforms, and like mm-hmm. decentralized being Web three and on the blockchain and distributed ownership. Mm-hmm. So there's certain elements of wristband which we want to have decentralized, like the ownership of goods. We want those to belong to the artists. Maybe there's some venues that belong to those venue owners, so sure. we don't own that. But there's other things I think is really important that we do have ownership over and control over and that is centralized which is the mechanics of the platform Mm, because that controls the experience so again when you go into let's say uh, the sandbox or decentraland those different parcels of land are actually owned not by the platform exactly exactly as you said but by the owners Mm -hmm. and we have this really interesting thing happening where people are buying land to invest in it but not to play or be a part of the community on that platform so that's also something we want people who are going into wristband to be a really active part of that community. So that's why we have this concept of uh, during our festivals, there's certain parts that like are leased or given to certain people for that time period. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back into our control um, mm-hmm. or there's certain areas that are accessible to everyone. So in that way, we can always, again, make sure that the platform is maintained and developed and active instead of these like empty, empty lands that are just hanging out to, to accrue value um, as their scarcity increases <laughs> right right i mean famously uh snoop dog you could like own the plot of land next to the the plot of land that snoop dog owns for like four million dollars it's like it's crazy it's like real estate in the real world i mean you know uh, it's all about the location and and um i don't remember what which platform that was on um but either way uh, that's nice to hear. And so it's not just going to be these squatters coming in and trying to buy up everything and, and speculate on what's going to rise and fall and just like try to make a quick buck, which, you know, we've seen, we saw that in the early stages of the NF, of NFTs, just a lot of speculators, just a lot of people buying and selling, even in crypto. It's just like, you know, the original concept of cryptocurrency was to actually be used as currency, not to be traded like stocks. Um, and now it's that's essentially what it is. It's like you buy crypto as part of your portfolio and, and they, it rises and falls based on market. Um, but that's getting away from the central focus and the idea of what the whole purpose of cryptocurrency is or was and in and, and some in uh, some communities still is. Um, but uh, with this, you're saying that you to maintain uh, and not let it get away from uh, everyone and, and uh, to maintain kind of the usability. And so everybody has a good experience. And so it's not a ghost land. Uh, you're making sure that um, everything that you're, you're controlling certain aspects to kind of hone the experience. So it's a good experience for everyone every time they come in. Exactly. I also cool. think that the technology is changing so much right now. And we've talked, um, we've spoken a lot with our advisors and mentors about implementing uh, token systems because there's there's a lot of neat things you can, you can do with tokens as incentive rewards, which mm-hmm. is you have like people who are going to the underground and wristband and discovering new artists and they 
um, they spend time there, maybe we give them some token rewards for being a part of supporting these up and coming artists instead of everyone just going to the central. Sure. So you can create this like social and economic uh, cycle that benefits those indie artists. But I also think right now in terms of regulations with the market, with trust, it's a lot smarter for us almost to implement like credits that aren't uh, blockchain related. So when you said token rewards, are you talking about um, you would give them NFTs or do you have your own cryptocurrency that you'd be awarding them uh, crypto that they could trade in for dollars or or essentially um, you trade in for NFTs or something like that? Yeah. So if we launched our own uh, cryptocurrency or token, which would be um, on an existing uh, network, let's say Polygon, we love them because they're environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, that would enable us to have a separate economy within wristbands. Okay. But again, we have a lot of the same thing with land, which is people are buying these tokens, holding on to them just for investment purposes. So for us to have this uh, really vibrant um, community flourishing within the platform, experimenting with different rewards that aren't crypto related, and that also makes things more accessible. In mm. year three and year four, that's more when we're looking to launch our tokens so that we have a cool. really great understanding of who our community is and how we can best support the creators in our platform. Great. Yeah. I mean, um, any incentive to help people discover emerging artists, uh, I'm all for. So I'm sure you guys will experiment with that. And um, the fact that you have your co-founder as a a working artist, will uh i appreciate that 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 is going into a lot of the decision making too um and and that's a kind of at the forefront of everything you're thinking about well this has been an incredibly fascinating conversation and you did an amazing job at, at breaking this down in lay terms for people that don't really understand anything about uh crypto metaverse nft uh web3 all of that and now i'm super excited about it i can't wait to attend the wristband festival and just see everything that you're working on moving forward um, to support artists and the music community and uh, make it uh, fair and equitable and just provide another uh, another way for artists to earn um, from their craft and their music um, and their audience and and um, that's a, it's a really noble cause that's very appreciated and it's very needed so thank you for that um, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. And that is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? I, f- I feel like it's my goal to to help to help all the artists make it in the music industry. And I feel like I'm the, I'm a bit. I, I don't feel like uh, I'm quite qualified yet to be in the music industry since I'm still learning okay. the ropes. But sure. I guess I can I can describe a couple ways I'd, I'd feel about this this new emerging frontier, which is you have to be like brave, you have to be collab like collaborate with others, you have to be super creative, you have to be optimistic strong and like it's all about innovation and like sharing ideas about what the future could be when we had the internet first emerge it was an opportunity to connect the world and like bring people together and have freedom and like have our voice and like make the world a better place and i feel like web3 and the metaverse is kind of a new opportunity to make an impact on the world not just in music but across everything from like inclusivity diversity, supporting artists, because creative culture is so important to our day-to-day lives. If we think mm-hmm. about we think about like the best moments in your life, it's probably soundtracked by a song. And every time you hear that song again, you're gonna remember that special moment. So music, music is is really, really, really critical to to I guess how we exist as as people. 
and how we feel. And I also like when I was watching your music videos and you're like a pro at the loop. And that was really neat because it got me thinking like this whole metaverse is like different loop pedals or like different buttons on that machine. And sure. I couldn't make, I'm not the one who makes it beautiful. I'm just maybe the looper maker, but I'm giving the tool to artists and you guys are making something beautiful with it. So I guess I'm here to be inspired by what everyone is doing in this new and emerging space. And McKinnon, thank you so much. It's great. Thank you, Ari. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.